Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Will you read me a poem? Sexy poem? Not one of those. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the mood for that. Coming to you almost live from a sandy tropical beach. This is the Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. And we are your sun-tanned hosts. Well, I, I still feel I, I still feel and look pasty, and I don't really tan. I burn. That's true. But what about you, Kasha Gavlak, who's in the studio with us today? Do you tan? Um, I do, but it's a process. Ooh. I'm fair skinned, so it's like you've got to do the sunscreen and then you've got to bake, and it's got to be a slow process over the whole summer. Yeah, I never go really brown, I go sort of like a pinky, rosy brown <laughs> color. Nice, healthy tones. Um, I burn immediately, usually my shoulders first, and then it turns into a nice tan, which is great, but not so great for But painful the, and also cancerous. The melanoma. <laughs> Not so excited about that. Uh, really glad to have you on the show, finally. Well, it's super exciting to be here. Why is it super exciting to be here? Indulge me. I don't know. Um, I just, I love your show. And Ooh. you guys are great. And um, it's a really exciting opportunity for me to kind of get the word out about what I've been up to the last little while with my book and, and the Words with Friends events. So, mm-hmm. which I think more people should know about. It's, more it's, people will now know about it. Yay. I suspect... 50s of listeners? No, I think we're still in the dozens of, the tens of, 20s of listeners. Adam's trying to figure out the number of people listening. Carry the one and, uh, mom, you need to come and watch Words with Friends. I actually don't think my mother listens to the podcast. I know my mother doesn't listen to this podcast. Maybe that's for the best. Yeah, well. fuck. <laughs> Probably. So, so I'm going to give you guys some background on Kasha. Uh, if if I may. Of course. Uh, what I know about Kasha is that she uh, we met on Twitter, and you, with your father and some other folks, helped to organize the... Okay, I'm going to mess this up. So you need to tell me what the title of the event was. The Edmonton Music Collector Show. Which we did a segment on uh, last spring, I think? Yes. Yeah. And it was very successful. And will there be another one? There absolutely will be. Uh, um, the second annual Edmonton Music Collector Show is going to be on Sunday... April 22nd at the same venue, Sherbrooke well, Community Hall. You already know. Yes, we do. Yeah. That's great. I mean, we were pretty much saying right after the first one ended, yeah, we're definitely doing it again. So we've always known that we were going to. It was just kind of a matter of the logistics and, and seeing if we could get the same venue again. And um, But there's lots of interest from the vendors that participated last year. Um, most of them will be returning. Sweet. So. Now, uh, that's not the first time I met you. Is no. It? We actually had lunch together once. Yes. But yes. and so that's the first time we met in person. But knew you from Twitter from for a couple of years probably. No, actually no? I only joined Twitter um in March of two thousand and nine. So That's almost a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's getting there. 
or no, sorry, March of 2010, I guess. Never mind. So, Never yeah, mind. It hasn't been that long. It's only it's been less than two years. And what got you? Because we've had this discussion before, uh, but never have we recorded it. What got you into Twitter? So many of our guests, we 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 mine through Twitter. <laughs> so interested to know your story. Oh gosh. Well, um, I used to run this website for the TV series Twenty Four. It was a fan website dedicated to the character Tony Almeida. Um, it was called AlmeidaIsGod.com. Um, and I. I um, I was corresponding with this other fellow from New York who also ran a 24 fan website and he said, you know, you've got to get your website on Twitter because it's the, like, the hip new thing to do, like, you've just got to do it. So I started a Twitter account for that website and I mostly just talked about the show 24, like, with people who read the website and other fans. Um, and then I came to a point where I decided that I kind of wanted to branch out and I wanted to start another project like um, my brother had kind of introduced me to video bloggers on YouTube yeah I was kind of looking at what they were doing and I thought that might be something fun for me to do so I kind of decided I wanted to do that and I created the confessionality Twitter account just kind of to support that um, but as I kind of got more involved with it I realized that actually like I'm a lot more comfortable in text than I really am, I think, in front of the camera. Really? Um, yeah, I guess just for kind of like that's sort of been my thing, like as a writer, like that's the medium in which I feel most comfortable. So I think as things progressed, I gravitated more towards that aspect of interaction and communication on Twitter, like for this sort of idea that I had of, you know, putting my life online I, I, as opposed to video blogging. So that's kind of what it evolved into. And then after a while, I realized that, you know, there's lots of people in different cities who are doing lots of meetups and this. And I'm like, well, is this going on here? And, and I mean, at that time, I wasn't talking to too, too many people around the city. And, but Brittany LeBlanc was one of the first people that I did meet on Twitter. Curse her name. <laughs> she was one of probably my first 15 followers. And, um, She's you got know, a knack for that. I said, why isn't there this going on in my town? And she's like, are you crazy? There's stuff going on all over the place. So, you know, she's kind of the one who opened my eyes to it a bit. And, and the rest is history, I guess. Now, uh, you, so confessionality was your, your video foray, but it's not the only video stuff that you've done. No. <laughs> so tell us about Two Hostile Bitches. Two Hostile Bitches is a video blogging series that I started with my friend Karen Hatton, who's nothing unsaid on Twitter. Yep. And if you know her or follow her, you know that that's an absolutely apt description. Um, and I kind of approached her and I said, you know, like, like, I just want to bitch about this, and I have this rant, and I have that rant, and like, the, you know, a lot of times the two of us would hang out and just spitball, and so I said, you know, why don't we give this a crack and see what comes out of it, because I was, I was also interested in learning like a little bit about video post-production, and, mm -hmm. um, and sort of developing my skills in that arena to branch out and try something new, so I thought that that would be kind of like a good, low-stress, fun way to do it. Um, and was it low stress and fun? Um, yeah, the filming definitely is. Because <laughs> um, we just kind of let the cameras roll and we'll often just sit there and talk for 45 minutes an hour and then on a few different topics and then that usually will get cut up into you know one or several three to five minute videos. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and But it's been a while since I've seen a new one, right? It has. I guess I'm just not in as much of a hostile frame of mind these days as I maybe was when we first kind of got that going. Although it's still really fun and still something we 
plan on continuing with, but maybe not quite as regularly as we had initially hoped when we started things. Sure. You got all of that hostility out right off the top, and now you need to, to build it back up a little bit before you... Yeah. We'll before, do our, you, uh, before you rant some more. And I think we'll do our best to piss you off today. Awesome. Yeah. But, oh, so here's my, here's my question about the, uh, the hostile angle. Is it good that you don't feel so hostile? Are th- how are things going, generally? Um, things are generally going pretty well, um, I think, compared to what people were reading from me this time of last year. Um, it's been stressful, I think. Like, I've, you know, I've, I've encountered, like, some stresses and some obstacles in my life, like, over the last couple of years, like year and a half, two years, um, that have been challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's funny because I got involved with the social media scene in Edmonton in and around the same period of time. So people got to see a little bit of that play out, I think, yes. and look in on it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I would say that's so. fair. And in fact, uh, there was, a, there was a, a time when there was a Shall we say a group of angsty people uh, that that were? But I mean, I'm this is, I'm just this is an observation. This is okay, and it's neat to see how 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 you know your online persona has evolved into this thing that's doing so much interesting stuff. You've you've published your own book. You run this event that's basically at this point almost every month. It seems like you've helped. You were, I would suggest, quite instrumental in helping Kathleen Smith with KikiPlanet.com. Uh, it's you. I mean, have you have you had a chance to sit down and look back on all that stuff? Yeah, I have. It's um, you know, sometimes it's funny and it feels a bit surreal to do it because I think, am I spending too much time in my own head and overanalyzing my life too much, like with all this, you know, thinking about how the whole thing happened and how I kind of got from there to to here, but. Um, how did you get from there to here? Do you, do you have any reckoning of that? I don't, you know, I think I started out really just like, what would it be like? Like, what would happen if I literally just put out all the stuff that I'm thinking and all of these things that are kind of going through my mind and that are causing me anxiety or causing me to think and, um, you know what would people's reactions be to that? What, you know, what would it really be like to follow somebody or read somebody sort of like in a real-time memoir type idea um, of, you know, this is like a page out of this person's life. And that's kind of the direction I wanted to go with it because at the time I didn't have a day job and so I didn't have to worry so much about perceptions and, um, you know, people looking over my shoulder at what I was doing and thinking, well, how is that reflecting on me or what she's doing at work and that type of thing. So I had a bit of freedom in that respect to just kind of go for it. I mean, I've never really been somebody who, like, I've never really been a particularly private person. Yeah. Um, you know, being plugged in in this way is, has been a part of my life for, you know, pretty much half my life because I first got online in 95 and I was doing the whole personal homepage thing, like, right from the get-go. That's and, crazy. Yeah, yeah. This is your business. <laughs> yeah, I like, guess, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, and it really is now because you've got... Uh, Code word media design? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. So your own... I think Kathleen probably said it enough times when she was on. She's yeah. great. <laughs> she was definitely uh, definitely trying to plug you, that's for sure. Um, so tell us about um, how you became involved in writing poetry and, and what made you decide to compile all the stuff that you've written over the years into a self-published book? 
Gosh, well, I, I, like, I mean, I've been writing as long as I can remember. I mean, you know, even when I was six, seven years old, when I first learned to write and you would do stories in school, like in grade school, um, that was always something that really drew, like, drew me to it and um, that really inspired me. And so, you know, I was also a very dedicated diarist as a teenager. Yeah. Um, I pretty much wrote every day, like just kind of about the events and what was going on with my group of friends and the guys that I liked and, you know, that type of stuff. And I think as that evolved, um, I wanted to approach it from a more formal and um, I guess like crafted approach. So you, you wanted to move away from the, 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 what what did uh, an ink shed? Yes, yes, yes. To something word. that that gave you structure and was, and what was it that attracted you to doing to moving into a direction like that? Was it the structure of it or, um, the structure, the the flow, um, the way that I think poetry more than any other genre like allows people to express what's in their souls, um, and you know the truth of of people's respective human experiences. Um, you know, it's a way to write about things that happen in life um, to yourself, to others, that is a little bit less literal mm -hmm. than just ink dumping. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels more, the, like the structure you apply to it can be meaningful yes, as well. Yes, yes. Uh, Poetry is very subjective. Yeah. But it's I think... A subjective experience. Yeah. Actually. For the writer and the reader, I think, yeah. yeah. And and it can mean two very different things for the writer and the reader, too. Very much so. It's yeah. magical. It's, it's very magical. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> You're a magician. Really, a essentially, I'm, I'm, I'm a magician word with magician. words, yes. yeah. A yeah. word-gician? Oh. Yeah, I think I think we'll go with that. I love portmanteaus. They're my favorite thing. Is, Is that what you magician? call hybrid words? Yeah, portmanteau. I didn't know that. Well, and I guess you learn something new every day. Now, I don't know uh, exactly where that comes from. Is is uh, So a portmanteau is when you smash two words together uh, to create a new word. Is portmanteau a portmanteau? Quite probably. Are it, we are we getting way too meta here? Is it French? Portmanteau? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which, I, I mean, manteau is jacket, right? Yes. And port is to carry. All right, this, this we're going that makes nowhere. No sense, we're going nowhere with this yeah. one. There, there, yeah, so Scott's <laughs> going Scott is going to consult his friend the internet and we'll find out about that. Um, so you've been writing poetry for how long? You know, I've been doing it seriously, I think since I was probably about 15 or 16. Um, that's when I first really started to focus on that genre specifically. Um, I've dabbled in lots of different genres of writing. Like short I, stories. Yeah, short stories, um, creative nonfiction, like memoir type stuff, um, rhetorical essays, um, like in more of a blog context, I think, with that. Um, playwriting. Really? Um, yeah. I, um, I participated in a theater festival in St. Albert for teens two years running in 95 and 96. Okay. Um, and I actually minored in drama in school. Um, and that was kind of where my main focus was at that time because I was very involved in theater. Um, but when I was in university, I also at that point developed a sort of passion and love for website development. And so that kind of, I, I ended up going, veering off in a completely different direction. So you, and you, and you mentioned before in the interview that you're already, you're designing pages. You, how, uh, so I guess my question is, how do you, how does, how does one become passionate about developing websites? Yeah. Um, 
Well, as I was sort of alluding to earlier, I, I got plugged in pretty much as like pretty, the first day that I started university. That's when I got my university sponsored internet access, like dial up internet access. Oh my God. Dial up from home. Those are the days. On your 28 KBPS <laughs> modem. And, and that sound, that awful yeah. sound that those modems made yeah. when you, oh God, the handshake and everything. And general purpose Unix with your Pine email. Now and your you're blowing my mind. Yeah. yeah um, and, um, do, do we have a, a portmanteau reference? Yes. We're bringing it back. Portmanteau was first used by... Which author? Uh, I'm. G- is it a French author? No. Oh, um, is it a shit? I got nothing for you. An American Lewis Carroll. I was going to say that. I was totally. You you saw it in the book. It was on the tip of my tongue through the looking glass. It, my my least favorite book. You okay? Yeah. What just happened? Is that something fell out of my pocket? Oh, is dear. that really your least favorite book? No, I don't think Have I've you actually even read, read it. it. Yeah. No, 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 absolutely not. Uh, it is, uh, and, and basically, it was Lewis Carroll used the term and coined the concept of what a portmanteau is. But he appropriated the word portmanteau, which does mean to carry and cloak in French. So it's basically a suitcase. So, so really, so it's like putting a word inside another word and carrying it around. Smog is an example of a portmanteau. Fog and smoke, smoke. And yeah. Exactly. Yes. So that's a hybrid word that's sort of become ubiquitous, and nobody really thinks about it anymore. We're gonna we're gonna come back to portmanteaus later because I just had an idea. But we were talking. Thank you, by the way. That no was no great. That was great. The internet. Thank you as well. Uh, we were talking about a passion for developing websites, yes. and then you started blowing my mind with some Unix and Telnet shit. Now, yeah, were you yeah. ever the kind of person who used MUDs and Moos? Um, I used U2 Talkers, which Ooh. are really super similar to MUDs and Moos. Um, I'm going to look up MUDs and Moos because I, I know what they are, but I don't know how to explain them. Like, I think aren't MUDs and Moos more to do with actual, like, online gaming as opposed to Sort of. To text, text Second Life yeah. Yeah. is what they were, Well, you two, you two chat, like, talkers were a lot like that as well, like, where you could kind of go in and, like, each user had their own room and you could write a description of your room and then you could invite people to your room if you wanted to talk with them privately and you can... Or have... E-sex. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Probably a lot of the E-sex except, going on. Except it was called net.sex. <laughs> I am taking off your pants. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's what it sounds like when you've got one of those uh, Mac uh, programs that uh, reads yeah, the Elisa. text back to you. Am I making you hot, Lister? When you're <laughs> single and nerdy and 18, like... You know, I mean, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and not really so much one for traditional pornography. You'll take yeah. what you can get, You'll basically. take what you can get. Well, I mean, I don't think that it's an issue of taking what you can get and that it's like a lower form of, no. of um, you know. The, the more crass way is <laughs> beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I ne- was not going to I, go there. I have never, I've never begged for online sex. I, I would just like to throw that on the table. Real sex, all the time. But <laughs> online sex, never. Well, begging, you know, I wouldn't go that far. No. No. This is Adam coming to you almost live from Transcend Coffee. Uh, enjoying a latte here with Wade and Brendan from from Flavor Clothing, which is a new business that you guys are starting up. Isn't that right, Wade? Yeah, that's right. We started up back in July. First is actually our anniversary, as we call it. And what, what was the uh, the whole 
decision process between starting a clothing company uh, in downtown Edmonton? Um, well, like the name came up like almost a year ago, I'd say. Um, when I was living at Grand McEwen Residence, like one night we were just talking about sweet names and I came up with flavor. Um, and just like, I like the, like the word flavor itself, uh, just like the way the A and the V in the middle flow off each other and like the whole not spelling it the Canadian way kind of strives to be different. Um, and nothing really came up for a while and then I guess I kind of pitched the idea to Wade and uh, I got a call that night at three in the morning and he's like, I have insane ideas, we need to talk. So I guess we met for breakfast uh, the next morning and then that was kind of July 1st and ever since we've been working like pretty much 24-7 on it trying to get, make things happen. So is this going to be a clothing company that is based entirely online or are you guys uh, thinking about opening an actual store? You know, it's it started off with the idea of just being online and potential retail later and that's still there but you know we're even going beyond just clothing and we're looking at doing tons of things like we have a musician here in town that he's put us on his on his records because we're distributing his, his music so he calls it flavor records and things like that um we'll be doing events and, and all kinds of things that are helping out tons of people in the city a lot of collaborations with artists and things so you know it's beyond just getting out of online for us it's also getting out and doing things besides just clothing it's collaborations with anyone in town that's you know a young entrepreneur of some kind so it's not even just t-shirts. It's it's about building community around around what you're trying to do. So what have what have been some of the the steps that you've taken to uh to get to where you are today? And maybe give us an idea of exactly where you are today. Um well I mean like it started off with like just uh tons of like mock-up t-shirts with like working with kind of like model pictures from Edmonton and we originally started with like trying to have a new t-shirt every month with different models and we realized quickly that like that kind of was not going to happen so then we switched to we put in more time finding like the perfect picture um we have we have one like line out right now with three shirts from a model um and then we have two other shirts with just individual models but uh we've kind of like more so focused right now with working with uh local artists um to produce shirts for their own that they could sell um, as merch because I mean for them to go somewhere and get t-shirts they're, they're looking at spending tons of money up front so like we're trying to work with them to provide um, basically something that they can not only afford but is really customization for them um, to have like basically as much control as providing a sweet t-shirt for their fans and stuff like that. So you're working out of a, a location near downtown uh, a, a home office as it were is this is this the full-time thing right now for you guys? Yeah, hopefully it's going to stay that way. We'll see. We might have to pick up some part-time jobs. But, yeah, we both, um, like, I went to school, got my degree. Ryder was taking uh, design, was it, or something like that? Yeah, and um, it just, I finished my degree and got out and got some jobs and stuff, and that was right in the recession. It was like, holy, there's nothing really out here that's fitting with me. And for Ryder, the school thing just wasn't quite his thing. So we both kind of jumped on this and just said, let's go into it. Ryder had a job at a, at a restaurant for a while there. Um, bartending and, and doing different things and we just both were like let's jump into it let's do it and let's see how it goes um, we both had saved up cash so we haven't you know punched a bunch of debt into it or anything like that so we're we're all right in the sense that you know worst case we might have to go pretty soon go get a part-time job or something but luckily for flavor that keeps a little more stable right um, so what are what are some of the next steps that need to happen for you guys to to really make a go of this business oh Brendan's Brendan's hanging his head <laughs> Well, right now, like we're we're really hoping to work with some local like fashion designers from Edmonton and to produce like quality customization hoodies. 
Um, like not American Apparel, none of that normal stuff. It just has a logo on it. We're looking for a flavor hoodie that isn't about like the logo or what's on it, but basically what the hoodie is made of. So like, um, just like intricate things that basically make it that much better than everything else. And like, we're gonna be doing these in small runs. So like, basically one of a kind hoodies that are what everyone wants. Like we're we've been really reaching out on Facebook and with friends and on Twitter and trying to figure out what people want that they can't buy right now, and we're going to try and basically reproduce that flavor style in Edmonton. That's exciting. And then also, beyond just like the clothing like we're talking, we have a bunch of events coming up. Like one of our artists, we have uh, Bo Aganaba. He's releasing an album in December. We're going to be jumping on board with that, doing some promotions, and then doing a big, huge, uh, basically, album release in January. And we're going to be doing that with a lot of artists, and not just musicians, like artists in general. We have uh, a guy that jumped on board who's an actual artist, and he's talked about, you know, like, I'm sick of working, I want to do what I want to do, the things I love, and we're like, yeah, like, let's work with you and do that. We can sell your art, we can promote you, we can put you on a t-shirt as well. He likes designing t-shirts, so stuff like that. It's, it's beyond, like, we have this cool clothing line that we want to promote, but we've got all this other stuff that's, you know, very Edmonton and, and not local. It's more community, like you were saying, that's what we're pushing. It's about a community. We're not going to expect people to, like, stop wearing any other clothes or listen to music outside the city. That's ridiculous. But also to have that idea of community and, like, hey, there's talent out here. It just needs exposure. That's all it is. So um, you're, you're wearing a flavor shirt, as I can see right now. It's very cool. Um, there was a gentleman who used to, who worked out of Edmonton who started a skateboard company has since moved to Vancouver. One of the first things that he did was to get artists, visual artists, to design the decks, the images on the decks. Is that is that sort of part of the plan? Because you're mentioning, Brendan, that, that you'll actually have a unique style to these hoodies, which sounds really cool, but, but there's also a visual aspect to the actual graphics. So you're reaching out to, to actual graphic artists here? Or? You know, with, with the hoodies of specifically, that's going to be like a local clothing designer because I have a lot of ties with designers here in the city. Um, and it'll be on, like, we, we want to look at jackets and things if the hoodies are successful and move on a lot of things. So they're, they're actually kind of like a custom-made design by a clothing designer. So it's quite a huge step for us. And, and I think a lot of clothing companies, they wouldn't jump into it right away. Um, like, you know, getting designers is usually really expensive. Getting it made by a designer is a lot more expensive. But for us, it's like... We'll take a bit of a cut. We'll we'll charge kind of a reasonable price for it, anyways. But you're getting something that's that's right there. And then for the hoodies, yeah, or not for the hoodies, sorry, for the t-shirts, yeah, we're we're looking at artists that are putting stuff on there. Like the the photographs we have, like they're they're done by people in Edmonton for the most part, or or you know within Alberta and things like that. Um, so yeah, like it, it's taking that art of other people and, and throwing it on and making it fashionable. What did you guys know about clothing before you started down this venture? Um, well, I've kind of always been like a t-shirt fanatic, trying to find t-shirts that other people didn't have. And I guess I, with like going to design school, it's like I was sick of like sticking to basically what everyone else does. Because I mean, it's hard when you go to school and like you're with 30 other kids that get taught the same thing. And then when you get out, everyone has the same skills. I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to be different. So that's why we kind of jumped into t-shirts and kind of adding our own style to it, I guess. And just trying to make it as different and stylish as possible. Uh, how did you guys know each other before this whole venture? Um, he's uh, he's my best friend's older brother, so I guess we met a few times, and then this t-shirt idea popped up one time when I was hanging out with uh, his brother and my friend Keith, and then he just kind of heard about it, and I guess that's where it started. <laughs> yeah. And you can tell Brendan, too, he's he's the design guy, just the way he talks about flavor and the word flavor and all these cool things, and I could never get into that realm. Like, that's his mind is just so different than I'm, like, the other side on the business side that thinks of it as, it's kind of interesting to see how that works. So it kind of worked, too, with 
my brothers, I don't know what he is. He's, I don't want to talk about him on radio. <laughs> he's, not in, he's not involved at this yeah. stage, and we'll just keep him out of it. So, so some of the ways that you're reaching out to the community, you mentioned Facebook and Twitter. Um, how has the response been uh, so far? Um, well, I guess like on Twitter, not so much as where I want it to be right now. I mean, like we have like, I think we have almost 500 followers on Twitter. So like we have a decent amount of followers, but like, you know, I'm really hoping to like build that kind of interaction with like our clientele and customers more so. So I've been c trying to post more like personal things on Twitter trying to get people's feedback and I guess with Facebook too um, we just like we try and reach out and like talk to people as much as possible because like we don't want to be that random face behind a, a company you know we want to interact with people and see what people want and provide that for them yeah, like we, we do a lot of shout outs to the music we're listening to because we were our we did kind of like a hip-hop week for a while there or I guess there's a couple weeks where you feature your hip-hop art or some blogs and we'll you know we'll post that up there hey we're listening to whatever you touch NATO or another band in there I think it was Assault of Knowledge is the other CD I picked up like we'll just throw it out there on Facebook for people to see and then we'll interact with them talk with them joke with people on there and things like that so yeah like we actually I think it was, was it Mac Miller that said that one time something like he felt his success came because he, he interacted with his fans and wasn't just like you know I'm a big star and I'm just gonna ignore you it was he actually talked with people so we kind of want to take that same approach like we're building the community and we want to make sure that we're a part of that community as well Right on, guys. So, um, so uh, where can people find you online then? Right, that's www.edmflavor.com. That's F-L-A-V-O-R. Um, Facebook is the opposite. It's Flavor EDM. <laughs> Just to confuse people. <laughs> and then Twitter is the same. I think it's at EDM Flavor, correct? Yeah. Well, I wish you both the best of luck with your business. Uh, it sounds pretty exciting. And we'll be keeping our eyes on you. So don't... Yeah, we'd love to do a t-shirt giveaway. So what have you got for us that, uh, that we can do on the show here? Um, you know, on the show, I don't know what to do. <laughs> How about this? How about this? We get people to, uh, to enter. They can send to the show at theunknownstudio.ca. Um, and they can mention uh, this interview, of course, and maybe just a little piece of content that they took away from it. And that'll be their entry, and we can do a random draw from that. Yeah, sounds good. And we can, um, like, we our T-shirts, we print them ourselves. So, you know, we can you can pick anything off the website that we'll throw on there for you in your size. And Okay, so it'll be it'll be their choice of what, what design to put on their shirt. That's awesome. All right. Well, thanks, guys. It's been great talking to you, and best of luck. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. Dad, Dad, look, can I have that for Christmas? That one right there. I'll be super good. I promise I'll do all my homework and study hard. And I won't ask for anything else this year. I'm sorry, honey. But, Dad, all my friends are getting it for Christmas. Please, Dad, please. I'm sorry, but we can't afford a turkey this year. For some families, a warm meal is out of reach during the holidays. Please, donate at christmasbureau.ca to ensure no one spends Christmas hungry. We should uh, take a moment to thank... Just one. One moment. Our sponsor. They're beautiful. The people we have a partnership with. We are, we are intertwined with... You might say we're star-crossed lovers. In, indeed. We are intimate with them. Yeah. We, we do it with them. 
And by it, we mean business. Yeah, speak, uh, businessly speaking. Uh, and we are, of course, <laughs> referring to <laughs> those masterful bastards at <laughs> Guru. Guru Digital Arts College. Oh, my God. I can't believe we call them bastards, but I love them so much. Oh, my God. Owen Briarly, who is the Dumbledore of digital media, he, he rolls around with a phoenix on his shoulder. And by that, I mean an iPad, probably, or something. Um, very supportive of the show, have been for a very long time. And what they do for us, <laughs> we can't tell you because it's gross. <laughs> but what they do for their students is fantastic because they teach them all manner of techniques around digital media production, design. They've got a, a, a program for people who want to do illustrations and comics. Uh, music. Music. Uh, podcasting, even. They've got yeah. an audio program that they're starting to launch. It's, uh, it's a great way to jumpstart a new career, check out Guru Digital Arts College. Don't just check them out. Get in bed with Guru Digital Arts College. That's gurudigitalarts.com. Anyway, uh, so so you, you became enamored of the internet. Yes. And the possibilities when you started university. Yes, and um, so I, I was on these talkers, and I was kind of getting more involved in internet culture and kind of getting in on the ground floor, I guess, a bit. You're an early adopter. I was an early adopter, um, and it, it hooked me right away. Um, and so kind of like after about a year of that, um, one of my girlfriends was learning how to make a homepage for herself because she was a singer and kind of interested in music and wanting to learn how to do this. And I saw what she was doing, and I thought, I want to do that too. So um, I downloaded this one of the very first WYSIWYG programs from like, oh God, it was like some company that's in, that was then purchased by Adobe that was then purchased by... Something else. You know, Do you remember what it was called? Because I would love to remember what God, it was called. I, I could probably, like, it'll come back to me later, like after I've left. Um, you can post it as a comment. But it, it, it functioned very much like a, an early version of Dreamweaver would, where you can design things like what you see is what you get and then look at the code and see how things are done. And yeah. I also spent a lot of time like looking at other websites and looking at techniques that they were using and then looking at the source code and kind of trying to teach myself the language of how websites were built. Um, and so that was what I did for fun. <laughs> I made websites and taught myself different techniques on how to how to do different things. That's and, really cool, though. And took stuff apart and, and figured out how to adapt it to what I wanted to do. And, and yeah, lots of hours when I wasn't in class or working doing that. And so eventually I kind of just, you know, learned how to do it. And, and I discovered that I really loved doing it. It was a real rush. Like, it was, yeah. And and was that uh, was that part of the plan or... or was that a departure from what you got into university? Oh, it was do? a complete departure. Okay. I, I, I took a degree in English Lit with a minor in drama. Well, and here we are. Actually, yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like you've integrated all of that quite well into your life. Don't you, don't you think? I do, actually. And I think, you know, it, it's fun, too, because, like, I think, you know, from a, from a business or professional point of view, like, I bring a fairly well-rounded skill set to the table because of that, because yeah. of my background in writing and because of my background in English and, and in critical thinking and essay writing and that kind of thing. So I spent a lot of years as a marketing copywriter before I got into, like, seriously into website development design, new media, so. And and so now, now we've got a young woman who likes the websites, likes to write poetry or speculative fiction or uh, rhetorical essays or whatever, 
And and years later, and we won't say how many because that's not how we roll here at the Unknown Studio. You are a self-published author. Yes. How does that feel? It feels pretty amazing. I mean, having a book is something I've always dreamed about. Like, even in the very early days when I was just a teenager, like, I thought, you know, this is something I can do. This is something I want to do. This is something I think that eventually I will do, however it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think because of my experience in new media and design and print layout and website development, I built up skills that gave me the opportunity to actually realize that myself um, because I actually did do the layout for the book myself. Really? Yeah. So it was kind of cool. Um, You know, I like A, it gave me an opportunity to get my stuff out there without relying on an agent or an editor or a publishing house saying, you know, well, yeah, we think you're great because I mean, let's face it really like there's not a huge commercial market for poetry Um, the people who are passionate about it and who love it you know always will write it and 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 buy it um, and you know go out to hear it be performed live but I think that um, for the average person browsing through a bookstore it's not going to be the first place they hit up no so um it's exceedingly difficult to get to that level where you are you know, where you are like with a company and being promoted and that kind of thing. So because of my background in marketing and my background in design, I thought that it was a project I could approach successfully myself. Um, And that's what I decided to do. It seemed like the right time. Mm -hmm. So what was the process that went into self-publishing? Yeah, because it sounds like it would be a clusterfuck. Because we have spoken to someone who self-published a novel previously. Yes. But uh, I imagine the process would be very different and that you probably approached it in a different way. Um, Well, for me, I think like the first thing was logistics. Like, how am I going to get this book actually printed? Mm -hmm. Um, How much is it going to cost? Where am I going to get it done? Um, And I actually stumbled across a link on Facebook. Like, you know, those little Facebook ads that kind of like, you know, are always in the margins. Like when Facebook knew you were writing a poetry book. Well, Facebook knew I was a poet because I've obviously got that listed in my likes and interests yeah. and so on. And so I saw a little ad and it said, you know, publish yourself, lulu.com. And I thought, well, this looks kind of interesting. So I clicked on the link and I discovered this fantastic online resource where um, you can actually submit your own production files and they will produce everything for you to your specifications. You get a proof, you get to go through that whole process to make sure that it looks the way you want it to look. Um, for you know, a very reasonable price, like something that, you know, an individual author can't afford to do. Um, so after I had looked at that, like that was really exciting to me. And I, I, I got even more excited about the project because I knew that I would be able to do the layout and stuff like that myself. And it really would be mine. Um, so, you know, then I had to start going through my material. And there was a lot of material um, because, yeah, I've been writing for many, many years. And you've had many interesting experiences, haven't you? I sure have, yes. (laughs) Many, many interesting experiences, many affairs and many heartbreaks. So, um, Many dapper, dusky gentlemen (laughs) on sand-swept beaches. Why, why Scott, I... Faraway lands. I feel as though you're describing us right now. (laughs) And I am really turned on. (laughs) <laughs> so here's a question for you because because the young woman that we talked to um, closer to the beginning of our season self-published as well she went 
the uh, ebook route. Right. Was it important for you to have a printed product? It was. And um, why? Why is that? I don't know. There's just something about, especially with poetry, because it is such an intimate genre, um, about having that book in your hands and feeling the paper and smelling the book and, and you know, looking at the illustration on the book. And um, and actually, I didn't do an ebook like, for this because, um, as you know, the book is illustrated. Yes. And the illustrations, I, um, when I was going through it and looking at the process for doing like the most common formats for eBooks and like how to get it on Kindle and how to get it on so and so yada yada, um, I kind of downloaded some software that would help me do that. And once I had it formatted in there, I thought, you know, this isn't working. Like it's it's losing something. It's not presenting exactly the way I would like it to present. Like where you open the book and you see an illustration that goes with the poem. And in ebook format, something like some of that is lost, I think. Um, you know, and then of course there's something to be said for sort of that tradition of poetry, like where you know, it, it, it start. It, you, you have like the chap books and like, you yeah. know, things that are bound by hand. And, um, you know, there is that, that sort of huge tradition there that plays into it. And so that appealed to me as well. Poetry is a, uh, is, it's an art that involves all of the senses. Yes. Yes. Including the sense of smell. Yes. I don't know why I brought that up. So a child of the internet Let's describe you as that, because I think that's I think that's part of who you are. Correct me if I'm it wrong. It sure is. Um, I mean, I wasn't a child really when I got yeah, there. Yeah, I didn't mean but, that. But I sort of ride that line, like where I'm young enough to have been assimilated, yeah. but but still old enough to remember a time before the digital age, I guess, in the sense of like people carrying around cell phones all the time. And like yeah. I, you know, I remember growing up. Um, in a sort of little subdivision just outside of Morinville that, you know, was self-contained and really there wasn't much around other than people's houses. And we had, you know, four channels like on a TV that you still flicked. You walked up to it and flicked. I remember those, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. Uh, it actually is, um, I don't want to say troubling, but it, it's, it's hard for me to comprehend that there is a, a generation now that's growing up that has never... Uh, been without the internet or without uh, like satellite cable yeah. or cell phones. And I mean, these are all things that I remember being developed in my lifetime. And when they first came out, it was a miracle. And now it's just commonplace. And it, like, I'm, I'm interested to see how that generation develops and where they take that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, integration. Yeah. Uh, with that technology and and with that interconnectivity, uh, how they move that to the the next level, as it were. This shit. Now I'm holding up my iPad right now. This shit is magic. Okay, I I mean I get it. I get that there's this this chip in here that pulls out of fucking radio waves or, or something. It's fucking magic. It's all magic. I remember when we were children. My dad used to. My dad and had some business partners. They owned gas stations around town, and they would they would occasionally, you know, dad would work at the thing, and then he'd take his business partner's car and drive it back to his business partner's house. The car had a car phone in it, and like like uh, like a a cellular phone, but it was like hardwired into the car. And the most thrilling thing that we got to do, I, I must have been like six or seven years old, was phone mom on the car phone. Uh, that was my first exposure to cellular technology. After that, 
not never again until I was probably 17. I remember a time when there was when there weren't cell phones around. Interesting. I think that I think that we're coming to a point in 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 the the lives of human beings where people will will take whole days or weeks to drop our technology and try and experience that again because as you said there are generations of people who don't know what that's like and that my friends is truly fucked up it's just it's but i mean they people probably said that about our generation too. probably we grew up uh, with television knowing about television yeah yeah i can't remember a time before television because i did not live at a time before television yeah it's kind of crazy though okay so where were we we were talking about ebooks Yes, we were. That's right. Yeah. And so I decided, yeah, not to do one for this particular project. And part of that is because of the illustrations. Who did the illustrations? The illustrations the were done by uh, a guy named Andreas Ludis. He's a local artist. He's also a musician and a poet. Um, he and I have been friends since we were teenagers. Um, we actually first met probably when we were in junior high, kind of became friends in high school. We were both in drama club, which is where all the misfits and tortured artists hang out. Yeah, I yeah. remember that club. Um, <laughs> says the corporate sh- suit in the in the room. Anyway, continue. But yeah, so um, you know, because of how well we know each other and and how deeply I believe in his work and the way that I've seen his work evolve over the years, the same way that he's kind of seen mine, because that's how it was in that sort of like group of people like growing mm. up. You know, we were always sharing with each other our things we were doing, like our music and our poetry and our plays and our, you know, other writing and, and all the different stuff like that. And so um, he's been a part of my process since the beginning and I didn't really feel like there was anybody else I could collaborate with on this yeah. um, because I did have a very clear vision that I wanted original black and white illustrations. So were you uh, the creative director on this, or did you really just say, here's, here's some poems, draw what comes to mind? There were a few different ways we approached it. Um, you know, he did ask me to provide some notes and kind of like ideas and concepts of what I had in mind. Um, in some of them, he executed them pretty much exactly like I had envisioned. In others, he just disregarded what I had to say and went his own way um, because that's where it took him. Um, and there were a few in there too where we went back through his back catalog and looked at some of the stuff he had collected and then thought, well, that would work well with this okay. and that would work well with this so um yeah it wasn't just one process that we went through it was sort of a, you know, an amalgam of different approaches and and finding ways to fit his artwork with my with my writing so so when when you uh you put you pull all this stuff together you you lay it out and the day comes which is fairly recently where you get your first box of books yeah how does that feel well, it felt amazing. Um, I opened it, and I was really impressed with the production quality on the book. Really? Books. That's like, not the first thing you thought. You weren't like, wow, this looks great. Weren't you just like, holy shit, I published a book? Well, I was like, holy shit, like, the FedEx man is my favorite person right now. Yeah. Um, I think I even tweeted that. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, like, I was really concerned, like, just, you know, being a bit of a perfectionist and, like, having worked in, in the design field, like,
like of, you know, will it look the way that it's supposed to look? And are the pages going to lay out the way they're supposed to? And mm -hmm. is it going to be cropped where it's supposed to? And is the color going to be good? And, you know, all of that kind of thing. So I was, I guess I was sort of thinking about it more from like a, a technical point of view and sort of like my, like my finished product quality, like, and, and I think it wasn't until I actually launched the book at Words with Friends 3 right. um, last month at the end of October where I kind of got that overwhelming feeling of like, holy shit, I published a book and people are here to buy it and people are here to listen to me read poems from it. And that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I think yeah. that is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> did you bring a copy? Sure did. Would you Would you mind indulging us with a reading from, from this book? How many would you like to hear? Well, let's start with one. Okay. okay. And, uh, and maybe... Uh, Pick pick one and and tell us tell us about the poem f before or after. It's up to you. Okay, okay. She's looking. She's thinking. This is. I think this is a tough. I think this is tough. Do you want to hear something more recent or something more from the archive? Uh, let's hear your state of mind from the past. My state of mind from the past. Yeah. Okay. And I I actually bought a a copy of Cash's book. At Words with Friends 3, and I'm about halfway through it. And I don't read poetry, Kasha, so. Wow, well, that's really flattering. I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that it, you know, it's working for you. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. <laughs> and because we're friends, it's kind of an insight into you as well. Okay, yeah. so. this is um, a piece that I actually wrote in the 90s um, when I was in university. Okay. Um, and I used to perform it fairly frequently um, as part of like a, a performance collective um, that included two other women um, and several men as well, but uh, these two women in particular also wrote pieces that had kind of a related theme to them. Mm -hmm. And so we would perform them kind of as a set. Cool. And um, this is called Weekends, which I think you heard at Words with Friends. I think actually. I did, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. We are your Saturday night sweethearts, boys. In our tight shirts, dresses, flared jeans, khakis, corduroy pants, platform combat boot, airwalk shoes, smoking, skanking, drinking booze. You want to take us home. You want to come to our home. You want to come in our home. You want to be at home in our home. We are your one, two, three night stands, boys. The messy hair, mascara rubbed, eyes in your bed, bras, skirts lost in the socks on your floor. Waking, squinting, blind, we are, we are. We are what we are, the tastiest piece of cherry pie, the highest heel in a ride home, your ride at home. We are your Saturday night sweethearts, boys, in your house, condo, basement suite, seventh floor apartment, apartment, the last nameless relics of a classy night out, framing the work week with our answering machine mouth. Wow, I, I've actually, I remember reading that one and thinking, the imagery is so precise, and in fact, the sort of punk rock girl that you're describing in the poem is is from my history as well. Um, wh where does that poem come from? Um, I think it, it kind of came from partially the fact that I was a club kid and I did have those experiences. And, you know, I spent a lot of weekends, Friday and Saturday nights, when I was in school at Lush. Did you go there? Oh, yeah. It was my favorite 50 place. 50 cent highballs. 50 cent highballs on Wednesdays. You were too... <laughs> Double, triple fist in it at least. And then on Saturday nights, it was 99 cent highballs. Yeah. yeah. And while you were doing that, I was at home with my friends rolling dice. <laughs> Scott is a special kind of geek. I'm a different kind of geek. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, the club scene was never my scene. But you also lived 
way across Hell's Half Acre in St. Albert. St. Albert doesn't exactly have a thriving well, yeah, I scene. Well, I also grew up in St. Albert and lived in St. Albert all the way through university, like living at home. So I'm intimately familiar with St. Albert, except I was one of those people in St. Albert that like did the house parties. And um, yeah. You know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you know the type. He knows. He just, see, I just have to look at him and he knows. St. Albert house party. Those are that. That, well, yeah, that's something special. St. Albert has a fairly affluent population, yeah. and so uh, the house parties, we'll just leave that to your man. They are fairly affluent yes. as well. Yeah, lots of people with parents that take business trips and mm. vacations. And, and large houses. Large houses with good stereo equipment and fully stocked liquor cabinets. And drugs. But oh, yeah. we won't get into that either. Well, yeah, I guess we... That, and shit. It's yeah. be a great story for another show. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, the, the, I, I actually, I, re, I remember reading that and thinking um, th- where you talk about um, uh, we'll come to your home, we'll come in your home. I loved, I loved the way that that sort of escalates. And so you, you, you had, and, and how long ago did you write that? I wrote that, I think, in 1998, um, maybe 99. So, so a certain level of maturity when it comes to literary devices, I should say. I mean, that was great. Thank you. It was really great. Thank you. Hey, everybody. It's me, Scott, uh, coming to you almost live from post-production. As a matter of fact, I'm in the studio right now doing the post-production on the show. Now, I rarely have an opportunity to just kind of speak to you, the listener, directly. Um, Adam does most of the talking on the show, which is uh, to my detriment. Uh, I wish I had the time to do more. It's mentioned quite a bit that I'm a busy guy. Um, That's not to say the show is not my priority or not one of my priorities, just unfortunately real life does tend to get in the way. So uh, oftentimes you'll hear a little more from Adam than me during an episode, but not today. Today I'm taking a moment uh, to talk about something semi-important. Now, uh, for those of you who didn't know, I'm sure you did, because if you've been listening to the show regularly, Adam has been making fun of my mustache for the last few weeks. I was taking part in Movember. I've since shaved the mustache, because Movember has come to an end. Uh, but I did want to take a moment to say that uh, it was a great Movember for me, and I did reach my goal. In fact, I exceeded my goal. Uh, I had set out to beat last year's donation total of $570 by the end of November. All by myself, without being a member of a team, I did manage to raise $592. So that was quite uh, impressive. I'm quite pleased. And uh, it, of course, all goes to a very good cause, uh, the fight against prostate cancer. Now, I don't really talk about this very often, uh, but my dad actually had a prostate cancer scare last year, and that really kind of brought everything into focus and uh, made me understand that prostate cancer really can strike very close to home without warning. It's, It's one of those things that you really can't plan for, and as much as I thought Movember was a good cause before... Uh, it certainly has taken on a bit of a new meaning with that scare. Uh, so I do want to thank, very personally, all the people right now who donated to me this year. I'm not going to mention everyone's last name because there's a few I don't recognize and I don't want to mess them up, but I will get everybody. So here we go. Thank you very much to Riaz, Don, Daryl Plunkey, Bev, Diane Walton, Mike Otto, Dana, Susie Rowe, Eileen Bell, Alex, Fiona, Carla, my mom, Tor Lee, my mother-in-law, Corey, Carrie, Aaron, Paulette, my wife, Anita, Darren, and of course, the first person to uh, give me a donation at the beginning of November, 
my co-host, and my very dear friend, Adam Rosenhart. So thank you all very much for supporting me. Support the fight uh, to battle prostate cancer. And hopefully uh, you'll all be back to donate to me again next year when I grow an even bushier mustache for Movember. So thank you very much. And now back to the show. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out the Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. This is Adam coming to you almost live from the downtown public library. And uh, as we, we come upon the end of this year, I'm here with a man whose who's term as the Edmonton Public Library's writer in residence has come to an end. Marty Chan, how does it feel to have completed a year with the public library? I've been on a tour of duty <laughs> somewhere. No, it's actually been a, a, a great year. I had a lot of fun. I met uh, uh, wonderful writers all through the year. Some were just starting at the beginning of their career. Some are, were well-established, but they were all looking for um, just a little motivation to get to the next step of their, their career. Can you take credit for helping, uh, let's say, a new generation of writers in Edmonton to to hone their craft a little bit, or or is it are you, are you going to be really humble about this? I'm the Chairman Mao of Writers in Residence. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, 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 I like to think that I was a passenger in their car for a little bit, and I gave them directions. Some might have gotten lost from my directions. Uh, some people might have found their way. In fact, I, I actually received an email a couple of days ago from a fellow who I met. I think it was early, early in my term, like somewhere in the spring. And he just sent me an email saying that uh, he just got an offer from a publisher and uh, three agents approached him to read his full manuscript. And I thought, you know what? If I was in the car while that was happening, I can claim a little bit of credit. So you are the GPS device of writers in uh, in the city of Edmonton, I think it's fair to say. Now, when we interviewed you, I guess it would have been about a year ago, thereabouts, you, you were starting out on a pretty ambitious program for the writer-in-residence uh what do you think some of the highlights have been for you uh, this year? Uh, the highlights for the year, I think for me, NaNoWriMo, uh, because it was one of the more recent events. I got um, about 150 writers uh, popped into various write-ins that I was hosting at uh, all the library branches, and I also completed the first draft of my novel while I was doing that. Uh, that was a highlight. Uh, another highlight was the fringe play that I did uh uh, over the summer, uh, Mothership Down, I, I uh, got a good, a lot of good response to that. And I think the third thing that I was most proud of was just, uh, uh, was just the, um, uh, there was a, a kids writing program called Kids Write Edmonton, trying to get kids to write stories online. And we had a really good turnout with that. I think we had about 20 schools in the city participate and about 50 students actually submitted uh, individual stories to the website. And how long how long were these these student stories? Uh, did they vary in, in length? Yeah, some were as short as a hundred words, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, one kid wrote 
uh, I think it was about 2,500 words. Like for an elementary student, that's, that's a pretty high word count. Yeah, I mean, I struggle doing that in over like 10 blog posts. So, so I'd say that's pretty good. Um, you mentioned NaNoWriMo. How many years have you participated in that event? This would have been my very first year. Really? Yeah, it was my first year doing NaNoWriMo. I mean, obviously, as a professional writer, I guess uh, every month for me is NaNoWriMo month. Uh, but this is the first time that I actually participated it, uh, in NaNoWriMo. And uh, so I was a complete newbie to it all. But still, um, I, I enjoyed the experience watching all these writers sort of hustle to try to get to their 50K uh, goal. In fact, I was hosting the final public write-in. And there were about 20 people in the room, and all you could hear was the clacking of the keys on their keyboards as they were frantically trying to get to their goal. And uh, this one girl, she was a machine. She cranked out, I think, about 18,000 words in this four-hour write-in. It was amazing. Like, I actually made a game out of it. Her name's Nikki, and, and I made a game. I said... Uh, for one of the uh, word wars that we're doing, I called it Run, Nikki, Run. <laughs> I gave everybody else like a three-minute head start to see if they could beat her word count, and she wound up clocking in about 2,600 words in a 20-minute uh, 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 span. That would have been a useful skill for me in university. Now, we are, we're still a few days away from the end of your term. By the time this episode comes out, um, you have at least one more event that I know of to do. Why don't you tell us about the wrap-up event for the Writer-in-Residence program this year? My wrap-up event is called Splice, and it's a literary concert where I featured writers from different disciplines, and I splice together uh, people from music and the visual arts. So I've got readers like Myrna Kostash, Lynn Cody, Anna-Marie Sewell, who are going to be reading, but while they're reading, I'm going to have a musician, Paul Morgan Donald, who will improvise a soundtrack to their reading, and uh, two artists. Uh, One is a children's book illustrator named Lorna Bennett, and the other one is the artist-in-residence at Happy Harbor Comics, uh, Daniel Schneider. They're going to sketch visual responses to the readings as the readings are being performed. So where, where is this place event taking place? Uh, the Splice event is taking place at the Edmonton Room in the Stanley Milner Library, which is downstairs in the dungeon, um, and uh, it's happening on December 8th. Uh, doors open at 6.30, show starts at 7, and the night climaxes with the reveal of the two- 2012 Writer-in-Residence. And you've been you've been giving clues about who this person is on Twitter, and people can follow you. Is it Marty underscore Chan? Yep. Okay, great. Um, so what is in store now that you're done uh, your term as writer in residence. What what do you have on your radar next? Does this require? Does this year long term require a vacation? Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm gonna hibernate. Actually, I'm gonna hibernate someplace in Mexico really? in January. My wife and I are gonna disappear for about uh, ten days and just enjoy peace and quiet. Uh, I have a uh, I've loaded up about I think seven zombie novels on my uh, <laughs> Kindle, and I intend to read them all <laughs> before I come back from Mexico. You were going to come back to Edmonton with a very twisted view on, on the way the world works, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah. N- well, no more twisted than the way my mind works now, <laughs> being a zombie fan from way back. And do you need the break just because, I mean, it's been a, you've been at this for a year, and it, you have not had a vacation in a year. Is that correct? No, actually, I haven't had a vacation in about five years. So, so if you tack on what I did here, plus all the work that I did before, uh, this would be my first real vacation in, in quite some time. Uh, still, it, it was a good year. Uh, it was fun uh, working with all these different writers. I think I saw, I think, over 170 writers uh, sort of doing one-on-ones. But every time I saw a different writer, it would recharge me and keep me going for the rest of the year. 
That's really great. So after the vacation, who knows what comes next? You don't have any any ideas brewing for new stuff? Well, actually, the uh, NaNoWriMo novel that I worked on, yeah. um, I uh, sent an outline to a publisher uh, over the summer. And uh, there is a chance that that will be the novel that I'm working on next. That's fantastic. Um, you also have worked with Jeff Samsono, Sally Paulson, uh, apparently Trent Wilkie, and Colin McIntyre on a little video that they did for to promote a book of yours. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the, they, were, they were helping out with the promotion of uh, my new book, Barnabas Bigfoot, A Close Shave. And Jeff and Sally agreed to shoot this uh, fun little trailer, and Trent and Colin were in it. <laughs> and uh, it was really a lot of fun to watch them put, put that thing together. It was basically uh, just a fun little way of introducing the main character of the story, which was a Sasquatch. Uh, and in their trailer, uh, there's a Sasquatch loose in Edmonton. It was fun to watch them put that together. And he gets mauled by a bunny rabbit. We've all been through that. Uh, yes. <laughs> was it a bunny? No, it was a, it was a cat. It was a cat. It was a tabby cat, yeah. All right. So, um, so anything that you'd like to tell writers of the world before you leave office and hide in Mexico for a while? Yeah. D- d- do what I do. Don't do what I say. <laughs> that, will, that will probably lead to more success. All right. So don't go to Mexico, everyone. Marty, congratulations on a successful year. And... Uh, All the best when you come back from a much-needed vacation. Excellent. Thank you, Adam. Now, you've mentioned it a few times, but I can't uh, presume that all of our listeners know what words... With friends. Now, words with friends, before you go, Kasha, before you explain it, is two things. The thing that it is not in this context is an iPhone app. Yes? No, it's not. There is an iPhone app called Words with Friends, and I'm also a big fan of that Words with Friends. (laughs) Um, And I think, actually, like, that sort of informed our decision to call it Words with Friends in a small way, um, because my co-organizer, Jason, we play Words with Friends with each other all the time. Like, we probably play at least four or five games a week. Wow. Yeah, we play it a lot. Who Um, usually wins? Usually, if you look at just the numbers, I win more often than he does. Ha! Suck it, Jason. (laughs) Suck it. (laughs) Did you hear that, Jason? Suck it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so tell us about tell us about how uh, words with friend with friends started. Um, Well, I met Jason on Twitter the same way that I met you and many other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I knew that he was a writer and he was pretty involved in Edmonton Story Slam at that time. That's right. Um, And. He had a magazine that he, I think, had started when he was living in the UK and was, you know, brought it back over here when he moved back. And um, he started actually following me on Twitter with the magazine account. Uh, Which was called what Wuffnix again? magazine. Wuffnix, yeah. Right. And um, so he and I kind of started talking and I said, well, I'm a poet and I'm working on a manuscript. And I actually sent him a rough draft. Um, so he saw a version of the book that no one else has seen except maybe Karen. Um, like a rough draft. There's been some things that have been added and changed and, and removed since since that draft. But, you know, I said, if you're interested in publishing anything of mine in your magazine, like, please feel free to. And um, then that sort of evolved into this conversation about putting on some kind of event for it. Um, it had been a long time since I was 
in the live performance scene. Yeah. I did poetry slams a lot when I was in school, like particularly towards the end of my degree. Um, but once I left school and got in the working world, poetry was kind of something that I still did, of course. Like I still wrote and I still shared with friends, but um, I wasn't as heavily involved in the scene, I guess. Is there is there a scene in this there, city? There is a scene. Um, one of the bigger ones is the event that runs at Rouge Lounge on the first Tuesday of every month. It's uh, BP, BP Collective. Okay. Yeah. Be- and so Beat Poets, is that what we're talking about? Um, I don't, I, I can't remember off the okay. top of my head what sure. it stands for. My apologies. Um, but Never apologize on this show. I don't. Okay, I withdraw my apology. Thank you. Continue. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, on campus, like, it's easy to hear about those things, and there's always stuff going on because you're constantly surrounded by, like, other people who are doing that stuff. Once you're working, it's a little bit harder, I think, to stay connected. And so I fell out of it for quite a while. Um, and it wasn't until I connected with Jason that, like, you know, and he sort of expressed interest in doing his own thing that, that like, I, I said, well, yeah, like, I'm really interested in doing that, too. I would like to, you know, get back to performing and get back to sort of, like, exposing work and that kind of thing. And um, we got together for coffee. And this was probably last winter. Um, at the end of the year and just kind of like bounced ideas off of each other like you know what ideally like I would want it to be what he would want it to be like where we could do it um, how we would get the word out how we would get people interested but yes yeah, sort of going back to what we were talking about before um, the words with friends thing like you know I like I really wanted to kind of like bring in some of that social media community that I'd recently connected with yeah. like into this writing thing and so I said well you know like let's do like like a like a Twitter poetry slam or like something like that, and I mean I think he was amenable. Um, not like not only those people, but kind of like a way to like integrate different groups of people who are interested in writing, like sure. to all share stuff with each other. Um, and so you know when he suggested the name Words with Friends, I really liked it because like literally it works, but it also like has a little bit of kind of a suggestion of like that geek culture totally. and that and that uh, sort of demographic. So, so. You, so your first event you guys did was it? It wasn't at the Blue Chair. No, no it was. It was, it was at the old Bohemia. That's we, right. We've started at Bohemia, and we're gonna stick with Bohemia as long as they'll have us. And they and uh, they they've moved. They have, yeah. Their old. I or I really like their old space. Their old space and their new space are very different. Are they? Yeah, the old space was more of a big room, and and it. It was really sort of low-key. Like, their furniture was, like, old secondhand couches that you'd buy at Value Village and Goodwill and, like, you know, overstuffed armchairs that had seen better days and, you know, big vintage coffee tables and it had a certain appeal like you know like a like if you go into the basement of like a really big fancy eccentric house yeah for a house party and it's like the coolest basement in the world um, because it's one big room and the walls were covered with art and um their new space is in a much more advantageous location for them i think yeah it seems that way on 97th street there like right across from canada place like near the downtown core it's better for transit it's better for foot traffic um and and they have amber's beer on tap Yes, in they fact, do. Yeah. They zombie had a beer, beer they have. That's yeah. right. They had yeah. they had zombie. It was like zombie apocalypse beer or something. Awesome and delicious. Yeah, yeah. Surprising for zombie beer. Yeah, you'd think it tastes like, you know, zombie. Yeah. 
like putrid flesh. I didn't try the zombie. I uh, I think I drank apricot that night. Ooh, fancy. Yes. I really like apricot a lot. Fair enough. So so has words with friends in your mind grown to be a success? I mean, you're doing it often now. Yeah, we're doing it kind of every six to eight weeks. We don't have a set schedule really. Like we don't say, well, it's going to be, you know, the last Thursday of the month or anything like that because um, we have to work around scheduling with the venue as well as like our own personal schedules and other stuff that's going on. And I think once a month might be just a little bit too frequent to swing. Um, but you, every six weeks feels like a good kind of interval. Yeah, you guys sound you guys sound like us. I mean we, we thought weekly, no. Twice a month, maybe once a month. We can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally yeah. understand. I mean, yeah, you've got other commitments. Some of those other commitments um, involve helping Kiki Planet maintain our website. Yes. Right? Yes. So you've created this company, right? Yes. And she's one of your clients. Yes. What is your involvement with, with, like, current ongoing involvement with it? You helped launch this. You designed her website. I did. And it looks great, by the way. Outstanding work. Um, some of the copy points are, are excellent. Uh, uh, on the right-hand side, she's got that – she's got her blog post and then some text that says, I think it's finish the bottle or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's – Wonderful and whimsical, and it fits her target audience, and it fits her personality. <laughs> like, you are obviously very thoughtful about this sort of stuff. I'm excited to see what you're going to do next. Yeah, well, Kiki's not just a client. She's also a close friend, and I know her very well. And so going into this project, like, there were a lot of, I think, times when I just knew instinctively what she would want or how to approach things. And so it took a lot of like the guesswork and back and forth out of it, like where I could just do something and I'd show it to her and she'd be like, yup, and then we'd move on, you know. So the development was really fast on that site. Like we did it in about a month. And you're and you're still working with her to, to do stuff? Oh, yeah, ongoing. I, um, you know, I think... I'm the person behind the scenes on the site. She's the person, you know, up front mm -hmm. on the site. And that's the way it is. So and you've managed to involve her husband as well. Yes, yes. He writes a little blog for the website called Call to the Bar. Mr. Kiki, do you hear that? You're slacking. Yeah, he's a, he's a bastard for doing that. A fucking bastard. And I think that Kathleen would agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> is there, is there uh, any... Uh, any plan to involve the whole family, the children as well? Well, her, you probably know because she told you when she was here um, that, you know, her, her teen sons are on Twitter and they do follow her and they follow quite a few of her friends. So and So they, they keep up on our antics. Um, you know, I, so, I mean, who knows? I, I was actually, like, joking with her about that the other day about how, you know, how, like, you have children of Hollywood who are born to famous people in Hollywood and sort of, like, enter into that legacy of, of being in Hollywood. They, they, they they're become, the children of Twitter. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're like the Kardashians. <laughs> it's terrible. Now, famous for being famous. Famous for being famous. Uh, Harris's and, and, and Hairs. Heirs. You don't pronounce the H. No. I apologize. You don't pronounce the H. Okay. Unless you're British. Quite. And I'm not. I'm Dutch. And I'm French. And we are nearly out of time. It's true. But first, let's do that thing that I am so fond of. The Fast 15. Yes. 
You are absolutely correct about that. I can uh, see you kind of starting to get jittery. Because I'm so excited. Now, you listen to the show, and, and you're not lying when you say that. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay, so we have most of our guests lie. Because they're all fuckers. Like, I'll be honest and say I haven't listened to every podcast, but I've definitely listened to more than a few podcasts. Adam has a look of utter betrayal. You, you are dead to me. I'm sorry. It's okay. Does that mean this isn't going to air now? Yeah. Okay. No, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> we, we need to use this content. So here we go, Kasha. I'm so glad to finally have you on the show and to finally be doing The Fast 15. Are you ready? I am. Here we go. Okay. Number one, your favorite food. Um, chicken Caesar salad. That was highly specific. Your favorite color? Pink. Mac PC or Linux? I use Mac and PC. Oh, it's terrible. I have to as a designer. Fair enough. And Fair yeah. enough. I understand. Dogs or cats? Cats. And your cat's name is? Roger. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Favorite sport? Hockey. Favorite pastime? Oh, um... Fandom. Favorite music at this particular moment? I've been really into Arcade Fire the Suburbs mm. the last while. I kind of discovered it a bit late. I've but not now jumped that I'm on there, that bandwagon. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I found it very inspirational. Great. Yeah. Your favorite movie right now? Oh, it's been a long time since I've been to the movies. Well, then pick one of your favorites ever. When Harry Met Sally. Oh, nice. Rom mm. a, a romantic, if you, if you couldn't tell. She's obviously a romantic. Your favorite video game? Rock Band. Nice. Okay. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Instantaneous teleportation. You'd, you'd get around much faster. Good answer. You don't need a car. And save so much money on airfare, too. Yeah, and fuel. You don't need gas. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. I'm not hugely a fan of either one, but if I had to pick one. That's acceptable. I guess. I'd, I'd take, like, Battlestar Galactica over both of them. Ooh, I might consider that, actually. That, that's valid. Yeah. Well, I think I know what I'm doing tonight, anyway. Okay, now we're on to our wild card questions. As you know, each guest gets customized questions, uh, and, and I've made these hard, I think. So number one wild card, what's the worst poetry you've ever heard? Probably my own shit that I wrote <laughs> when I was like 15, 16. Not expected, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's fair enough. You look back on that stuff and feel embarrassment shivers? I wouldn't say embarrassment. I mean, it's very rudimentary and fledgling. Like, I can see that there's a base there, but um, I hadn't quite let go of sort of the, the cliche way of presenting things. Like, the, the presentation lacked maturity. You have to start somewhere, though. Yes. Yeah. There was a lot of iambic pentameter involved. <laughs> That's how I read poetry. Never noticed that uh, I've written that way before. Oh, sadness. Yeah. All right, last wild card question, because I'm curious. This is... This is this is selfish on my part. The Fast 15 is entirely selfish. What is next for the two hostile bitches? Because I happen to love you and Karen. I think you guys are great. <laughs> um, what's next for two hostile bitches? Probably the next time we get really pissed off, we'll <laughs> crack a bottle of red wine and turn on the camera and see what comes out. I actually think that, uh, you know, one, one thing that's been kind of like, getting under my skin lately is just the lack of attention that people play people pay to 
proper usage of the English language in social media. Oh dear. Um, that's that's a powder keg. You know, I joke about being like on grammar patrol, um, but it really does bother me when people clearly like either don't know or are too lazy to <laughs> differentiate between your your and their there and there and it's and it's and they don't learn how to use apostrophes correctly to I work with professional journalists who don't grasp that level of grammar yeah and that is upsetting to me you know the worst is when I find myself writing like typing something out and I use the wrong there knowing full well that it's wrong and I see it and I'm just like I must have had a stroke. Yeah, sometimes you do have like a brain fart that way, and we've all done it, mm -hmm. like especially while drunk tweeting. Um, so I think, you know, once in a while, like it's okay to let it slide. Like, you know, well, that person does definitely know how to use it properly, and this was obviously just a fuck up. So, you know, I'll let, totally. that, let that one go. But then, you know, there's some where it's just like over and over, and you just kind of think to yourself, like, really, honestly? So that does get under my skin quite a bit. Um, I don't think that it's something that, you know, we should just shrug our shoulders and say, oh, well, to. I agree. I yeah. think it's important to be able to communicate clearly. Now, can people buy this book? They can't buy it from you online. Yeah, they can. They can. Yeah, they can actually order it directly through the lulu.com website. Okay. Who will produce, like Lulu, the company, will produce the books on demand as they're ordered online. So for people who are out of town who may be listening, that's an option. Um, it's also available locally here at Greenwoods and at Audrey's. That's awesome. Yeah, it really is. Hey, yeah, it was exciting for me too. So uh, we will post that link on, uh, you'll see it when, yes. you, when you download this episode. Indeed. If you come to our website, theunknownstudio.ca. That's our website. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was great to have you. It was really yes. great to be here, you guys. I had a blast. Good. I'm glad. Cool. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, Episode 59, our guest, Kaja Gavlak, pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Right. This is pretty recent, within the last year. Okay. okay. It's called The Bitter End. Apparently I misread your intentions, misread your declarations of adoration, misread the text of the tragedy you agreed we were, you reiterated we were of your own volition. I mistook the hundreds of variations, the florid descriptions, the open invitations, the convincing placations, the cunning evasions you lauded and applauded until the bitter end. I misunderstood the deprivation, the standing order of permission. It was all my misconstruction of what you actually meant. At least that's your version, and your powers of persuasion are second to none. Let me make a declaration of my own. I remember the contents of our conversations. I remember the hours spent deep in revelation, and I remember your gratification. This is not a confession, an indictment, or a conclusion, merely a defensive position. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Kasha Gavlak. Fantastic. That was wonderful. And we're done. Thank you so much. This was great. Yeah, it was. And gross. We were gross.